Hello everybody, Monty here. Uh, so, first of all, this is going to be a much more casual episode. There is not going to be a whole lot of production work in here. Uh, mostly what this is, is me kind of just doing a recap for the world and setting that um, the stuff I write takes place in uh, so that I can better prepare people for either one, um, writing their own stuff and participating in the universe, or two, doing what uh, some folks have been doing, which is creating their own narratives or their own settings inside the universe, and specifically like making their own factions. In the upcoming episodes, uh, I'm going to do a read-through and a breakdown of uh, Johnny B. Sweet's Uni or, uh, <laughs> United California Republic, and that one's pretty big. It's a doozy. There is a lot of stuff going on in on that wiki page and to delve through, but uh, just so that things weren't super... Uh, jarring for people to get into. I'm just going to rehash some certain parts of the timeline, and then after that, um, we'll have a little bit more discourse on the world itself and how things are. So where 2035 and like our current timeline kind of split is obviously the year 2035, but also most of that begins in the 2020s. So in the year 2020, essentially everything stays the same, right? Uh, COVID still comes, still fucks up the world. Uh, there are still the massive Black Lives Matter protests all around the United States. Um, and then going into 2021, there is still the January 6th insurrection. And the reason I go over the 2020s is because uh, it's important for this world to understand that the 2020s, specifically 2020 and 2021, are where things started to really crack, you know, and although there may have been issues before um, in the United States, in this setting and in this fiction, this timeline, um, 2020, 2021 is where people start seeing that everything is going down at some point. It's also just the kickoff for how bad um, political upheaval and violence and sectarianism is going to get in the country. And then in 2022, 2023, um, Although it was not meant to parallel anything, uh, what I had written down for the timeline originally was that um, like hard right Christo fascist leaders were going to come after uh, marriage equality, and really what ended up happening was they went after abortion rights. Um, but this leads to a lot of protests, standoffs in the street, kind of this renewing in um, Christian nationalism or Christian fascism that like really takes over in the United States on the right wing of things. And then the next kind of big split, uh, which for us is still pending in the future. Um, again, this isn't saying that it would happen, but in the timeline for 2035, uh, when 2024 comes around, um, my, I guess, predictions, you could say, or just what I think would happen um, is that the GOP, the right wing, loses again, but they take it worse this time. And and mostly what happens is uh, the GOP mainly loses because uh, since their stance in this universe or this timeline are so hateful, right, because they're so alienating and isolating and they're starting to just go full mask off with the phobias and the racism. I, I keep forgetting I'm not on TikTok and I can just speak how I want to. So excuse me if I sound a little self-censored. But again, in this timeline where 
the GOP, the Republicans, the right wing, and a lot of the more fundamentally extremist Christians are able to just lean into exactly what they want and what they believe, and they no longer have to censor it or hide behind things. They don't have to call shit woke anymore, where they're starting to just be outright fascists and Nazis. That alienates a lot of people from the party, and it's ultimately what costs them the election. And this is also possibly what's going to cost them the election in the real world, by the way, uh, especially with how hard they've been going after trans folks in the year 2023, how they've been turning everything into a culture war, and it's just nonstop, like, upset or outrage at something. It is probably going to cost them again because they that's their whole image and their whole brand, and this uh, episode specifically is not meant to be condemning the Republicans or the right wing or anything, but uh, this is trying to talk about the setup for my fictional world and then um, just how our real world is paralleling that. And essentially what happens in 2024 um, is leading up to 2024, leading up to that presidential election where you are more than likely in this scenario going to be seeing um, the incumbent President Biden um probably facing off against Donald Trump, maybe George DeSantis, maybe the votes are split between George DeSantis and, uh, is it George DeSantis? Maybe it's Ron DeSantis. I don't fucking know. I don't don't care to know his name. Um, But essentially, you see kind of a redo of 2020 in that election, and after that, um, you get the same things coming forward. The big lie, people saying it was uh, stolen or whatever, and the difference between how it went in 2020 and how in this universe that goes in 2024, is that in 2020, things were not quite as heated as they are now. So, for example, in 2020, yes, we had um, massive movements in the street, lots of anti-cop actions, lots of mutual aid going on. We had the insurrection on Jan 6, 21. Um, But up until that point, we didn't have what we've been having in 2022, which is um, mostly armed right-wing militiamen facing off um, with armed left-wing defenders, basically, at drag shows and LGBT events. And we talked on this a little bit on the TikTok, and again, I'm I'm sorry this episode is so casual. This is just the best way I can think about to kind of do an intro to the world and to explain things a bit more than just a timeline. And then also, um, we will get into how one should set up their own faction or their own setting or narrative in this world in a second, but I just have to lay the groundwork. But again, getting back into 2024, they lose the election. There is um, mass protests, you could even say, because uh, it's not explicitly written, I have a pretty vague timeline that's on the wiki and that I posted, but for the most part, um, you get mass civil unrest, you get massive political actions, you have people... Um, from all walks of life, doing stuff they never would have thought they would have done before. And this can be stuff as innocuous as, you know, shitposting on Facebook, starting weird Facebook groups, to um, marching in streets, to then um, maybe trying to do an insurrection at the Capitol again. And again, to clarify, this is um, right-wing reactions to them losing a presidential election in 2024. Um What you would probably also see, though, is uh, the right wing starting to lash out in more blatant and violent ways towards uh, the people they see as their political enemies, 
liberals, the left, the LGBT, um, social justice parties, etc. And since in 2022 slash 2023, these are already taking, um, they already are armed standoffs, right? You already have left wing and right wing guys lined up across streets um, with carbines, AR-15s, AKM or AK-74M pattern rifles, Kevlar, personal protective equipment, all, all the stuff you would pull out for a gunfight in the streets, right? The GOP or the right wing losing that 2024 election um, makes this situation worse, right? Just like how when they lost um, the 2020 election, they decided to go throw a tantrum at the Capitol. <laughs> and if some of the right wing rage starts taking the form of protests or aggressive actions, um, like, yes, you might see right wing and left wing dueling in the streets, but what you might also see is if the right wing decides to start attacking the government, right? If they think, oh, the election was rigged, it was stolen, they took it from us, and um, now we're going to go get it back. Um, you might see a government respond more harshly this time to avoid a January 6th type deal. Um, and this could mean that they pull out all the stops against a right-wing protest like they do for left-wing protests. It could mean um, eventually or possibly uh, law enforcement gets fed up or get tired or they get scared and they start letting loose live rounds into crowds or something and suddenly it becomes a a civil war issue, right? Suddenly the right wing starts seeing, oh, well, they're attacking us anyway. They're not protecting us. They're not looking out for us. They're not looking out for the right wing Christian family with American traditional values. Um, and this is going to be what starts the seeds of the Dominion or the fundies who are the religious extremists uh, and kind of like the chief bad guys in the 2035 universe. Before you kind of get to the Dominions and the fundies forming their own factions and little fiefdoms, though, what you have going into or kind of coming out of 2024 going into 2025 is just a constant battle between fascist and anti-fascist um, groups, mostly in the streets of cities, but also um, the violence can also spill out into surrounding areas. You're not really going to see this kind of thing in rural America. You probably wouldn't even really see in the suburbs, but in the major cities, uh, in the metropolitan areas, it's going to be a thing that you see more often uh, in this timeline. Like if you were um, like, what, 2025, I'll be 32, you know, like it would be something that we're seeing on TV unfold, you know, and in the same way that we sit here and talk about things that are going on the news today on TikTok, um, people are doing it on similar platforms in this fictional future. The problem or the, the, the biggest problem becomes when um, <laughs> the police don't know what to do, right? If you have a much more obviously violent protests between left wing and right wing. And it's to the point where they're not just bringing like bear spray and mace and shields and respirators. Um, but they're also starting to bring guns and armor and potentially um, makeshift technicals or like rolling pickup trucks down the street with like three or four guys with AR-15s in them. The cops aren't going to know how to handle that. They're not prepared to handle that. And in this future, again, fictional future, um, where there, you have protests that are turning into firefights, that are turning into mass casualty incidents, that are overwhelming um, local emergency services, the police, 
either don't know how to respond to them or they are worried about taking sides or they're worried that if they intervene, it'll look like they're intervening on one side or the other. Um, cities just turn into these little battlegrounds that can spark off at any time. And for the most part, they're still calm. They're still fun. You're still hanging out in Seattle or Portland or the Bay Area or something. Um, and then if there's a protest nearby, there's a huge likelihood you might just start hearing gunfire and people running in a direction. <laughs> And once these cities or larger areas, especially these states um, with high GDP levels, um, like, for example, California, Washington, Oregon, um, some others, I'm just not super familiar with the eastern seaboard. I'm a West Coast boy. Um, once the cops can no longer handle the conflict that's happening in the streets, um, the next thing will likely be National Guard. Um, and if that prolongs for too far, which in, in my timeline, um, what happens in 2026, I got to look at this now, 2027, uh, after a couple years of problems with um, not just clashes of protesters in the streets, not just it, become, it becoming an armed conflict with um, civilian small arms, but what also starts happening is areas start seceding and not in the way that like Texas does every year where they say they're going to do it. Um, but extremists start taking parts of land, whether they're federal parks or even just parts of cities and declaring them um, in some cases, autonomous zones or cop free zones, or um, in the dominions case, new dominions where uh, they set up, these areas and say, well, if you're within this limit, these parameters in this area, um, you're no longer in the U.S. government. You are now in some kind of, I don't want to say state, but um, you're in a theocracy now. Um, you, you go from living in the United States to living in a theocratic hellhole <laughs> if you're in the wrong spot. And of course, it's not solely the election and the politics that drive people to this point where they start going into full-on um, secession from the government, um, as we're seeing now, right? And I, I just remember this because I was talking to my friend Dylan here on the TikTok Live as I'm recording this, is um, like the cost of living gets ridiculously expensive, um, especially if it just keeps trending upward, right? No one's buying homes. No one can afford rent. Buying groceries is kind of a privilege at this point. And things just keep getting steadily worse for the average American citizen. So when things start taking a violent turn, um, they get very violent. And on top of that, once people realize, well, we have these guns, we have control of this area, why the fuck would I want to go back to my old life of working as an oil tech for uh, fucking Jiffy Lube or a tire guy, Les Schwab, or this worker at McDonald's or go back to any of my old life when we've got the guns, we've got the territory, we can just set up our own little fiefdom here. And these are essentially the starts of communes um, and they take kind of different, um, there, there's different, <laughs> sorry, um, they look different depending on who runs them, right? So if you're looking at, like, a commune in, like, Dominion or Fundamentalist territory, um, it's going to be very dark, right? There's going to be a very harsh quality of life. People don't really live all that well. Everything is focused on the church. The church rules everything. It's kind of like rolling back to medieval times a little bit. And in the midst of all this with, again, cities becoming combat zones and 
um, people forming their own territories on either federal land or potentially putting together private land to do this kind of thing that undermines the government. Um, the the government, both the state and federal, can no longer rely on exclusively um, state and like on state police, local police, and national guard to pacify these zones that have become heavily armed. You know, cities become little Fallujahs, right? Or these communes are tucked in the way in the woods that become like little kill zones across the mountains or something. Um, when states can no longer pacify things that way and things are getting out of hand. And, of course, in a conflict, in a civil conflict, there is going to be lots of civilian casualties and lots of damaged infrastructure. Um, this is what causes, in 2027, the government to sign new legislation that allows the deployment of active-duty United States personnel in the military um, to deploy on American soil for military purposes. Uh, and the problems that the government faces when they start deploying American troops against other Americans uh, are pretty numerous. So first of all, if you have different cities across the United States in some kind of revolt or in some kind of um, extreme civil conflict, um, and then also hold out territories or hold out um, communities that are fortifying themselves to withstand um, some kind of military occupation or invasion, um, and then you suddenly have all of this ground to cover in the United States, all these fires to put out everywhere, even a monster as big as the United States is not going to be able to handle that well. When you couple this with just how many civilian arms are prevalent in the United States, as well as there being a decent or a non-zero number of people who know how to use these arms, and some of them in a combat capacity, um, you start getting essentially this terrible <laughs> occupancy against an insurgency um, in your own home and morale goes down, troops don't want to fight anymore, and the government has to figure out what they're going to do to prevent all of this shit going on. And finally, this gets us to 2030, which is the year when the United States decides or realizes they can no longer control um the entirety of the landscape or the continent or, I guess, the country of the USA. So what they end up doing uh, is slowly retreating or doing a withdrawal where they are um, taking as much hardware and equipment as they can, right? Taking the most personnel they can, but what you'll see in a lot of narratives, um, it, it's going to make an appearance in my work. It makes an appearance in Johnny's work as well, Um are many, many troops um, get left behind. And in some cases, these troops are essentially given to the states or leased off to the states. Um, in other cases, they are simply left behind because the United States is trying to book it back to the eastern seaboard where they have a stronger hold on things. And I just had to do a quick reference of a map that we have that it, I'm pretty sure it's going to become like the canon map for the new American wasteland out here. But essentially, the, the U.S. government retreats uh, to kind of like this battle line they've drawn that goes from, uh, it like cuts through uh, Ohio and Michigan all the way down to uh, Virginia, right? And that's kind of where the old United States government is, is still, and this government still kind of claims the rest of the country, but in reality, they just have no way to project power anywhere else.
And this is kind of the jumping off point uh, this year, 2030, when the United States withdraws. You know, they leave behind some personnel and some equipment, but for the most part, um, their Air Force, some of their naval assets, some of their most important ground assets go with them, right? And it kind of leaves everyone else west of that battle line um, fucked over to figure out whatever they can for themselves. And this is basically where the new American wasteland starts, right? So, like, um, like obviously in this uh, breakdown on the United California Republic that Johnny wrote, um, there is, like, a prehistory to 2030. But most of these new factions that rise up, these new governments that are starting to form, um, they start or get their start in 2030 when the United States government has abandoned them and it's basically in the hands of the state leadership or whatever um, authority is left inside of a state or a territory to figure things out. And where this gets difficult is once the United States leaves, states aren't really these things with defined borders and laws and stuff anymore because there there is nothing to back that up aside from um, what police force are left um, – if there's militias or National Guard, what military personnel are left behind, um, that's the most the state can call on if those forces will obey orders coming from the state government. And again, with the with, with uniform services being depleted and low on morale, there just isn't any way for them to occupy what their former borders were. There isn't a way for them to police an entire area like they used to. There isn't a way to govern. So most things kind of fall into this idea or this practical sense of, well, what you can put a gun on top of and control and protect, that's what's yours and that's what you can control. And I I wish there was a better way to display this or describe it, but essentially... um, for example, uh, in my mainline fiction I'm writing, The Dome, which fixates or is centered around this place called The Dome, which is just what Boise, Idaho becomes, they can control directly what's happening in the city, and they do that with security forces, um, shady deals with fundamentalist militias or dominion militias, and they can control the city and a little area around that, but the farther you get from the city the less control they have. And in the absence of a lot of state governments and a lot of authorities, right, um, most cops aren't copping anymore. Um, a lot of EMS, healthcare, firefighters, etc., are no longer going to their job because if there is no state government, if there is no um, authority there to make sure they get paid and to make sure that someone's taking care of their family, in most cases, these guys... And girls are just going to bail to go make sure that their own are safe, like themselves and their families or their loved ones or their friends are taken care of. And what you get in this void, uh, in this power vacuum, are people trying to fill that vacuum, right? So there are in any given area um, likely people who want things to go back to normal. They want to still respect a state's governor and its governing forces, And then there are also um, factions and actors who are going to decide this is the time to um, make my own life or make my own society how I think it should be. And this can range from like um, 
anarchist, communist, socialists deciding, hey, we can finally do this commune and just focus on um, sustaining ourselves and growing and loving each other. Um, and then there's also more negative actors, like potentially raiders or opportunists, mercenaries. Um, and then I think, of course, the big one are the Dominion, who are these uh, religious extremists who are deciding, you know what, we are going to conquer territory, right? And under the threat of the gun and the crucifix, we are going to force areas and force people to live how we think they should. And this kind of carries us into the conflict of 2035, where... Um, there are very few nation states on the West Coast that are really holding their own well. There, there are two that I will talk about and give each their own episode, um, and that is the Cascadian Confederation, which is, uh, I think it's parts of Oregon, Washington, and Northern California, and then you have the United California Republic, which is a good chunk, but not all, of California. And outside of these very rare nation states, right, um, everything else is kind of just no man's land, right? And there are definitely areas where some people can get together and prosper, right? Things are not entirely Mad Max, but they're closer to that than they used to be, right? So um, for the most part, uh, your bog standard kind of town or community is going to be a commune or a com or an incom, which stands for independent commune. Um, and these are places where folks have gotten together and they either produce a resource, right, that they can then trade for other resources with other communes, or if they're big enough and coordinated enough, are self-sustaining. And resources can be anything, right? You can have communes who operate as uh, exclusively markets for trade if they're in a good enough position position geographically. You can have communes that specialize in manufacturing and trading food or water or um, clothing, weapons, armor, etc. Um, essentially, if somebody wants it and if it's needed in a big enough quantity, a commune can set itself up to produce that if it has the resources to produce it and the skill to produce it. And keep themselves alive and fed that way. It doesn't always have to be farming or subsistence farming, but at the heart of every commune, there is usually some kind of farm, of course. And these things can be less traditional as well, or the, if, depending on how you look at it, more traditional. So it is entirely possible for a commune to run entirely on um, sex workers, right? Um, if you are in the new American wasteland and you're lonely and you just don't know what day you're going to die, you know, why not go to the brothel commune and go get laid, I guess. It can also be something like drugs, you know, um, especially in lieu of a lot of pharmaceuticals, um, drugs that can be grown in the ground and grown relatively easily once there's no longer some kind of federal penalty or jurisdiction might be a pretty big helper there if you don't have anything else, right? If you don't have your antidepressants or your mood stabilizers, um, psychedelic mushrooms or cactuses or truffles might be a, an option that is there for you. Or if you are someone who is in constant pain, marijuana might be something that can be, get, can be grown by a commune and given to people to help treat pain. Or um, in an extreme sense or a more extreme version of that, if a commune can grow poppies, right, and they can manufacture opiates, like that is another way for people to treat pain.
And there are more than just wastelanders moving around and participating in the new American wasteland. So, of course, you know, you have your average wastelander, you have opportunists like raiders, um, you have uh, left-wing, right-wing militias, and different nation-states that pop up, and their officials or their soldiers. Um, but there are also outside influences that pop up as well. So we've already kind of made canon on a lot of what this series got its start on is the concept of a United Nations intervention for peacekeeping purposes and humanitarian aid um, can enter into the United States once they have essentially given up this land to try and stabilize the area. There can also be um, a nuclear weapons security council that is multinational that is going through the United States and hazarding the wasteland so that they can try and ensure that there aren't any nukes left over from when the United States government withdrew back to their battle line along Virginia. Uh, and this has been a longer episode. Uh, I just wanted this to be kind of a good primer for people who want a more casual and clear explanation of the world that me and a few other people write in. Um, I also just really wanted to do a casual explanation myself. And if you enjoy this kind of thing, I'll definitely do it in the future. Uh, but what I wanted to leave off on is if you are planning on writing your own narrative and your own um, kind of setting or even your own faction into the new American wasteland, my best advice is to work with the community that's already there on our Discord. Um, but also what's really important is just remember to start small and then work big, right? If you want to set up a faction, you can. Um, just try and remember the realities of the situation. Remember some of the things I've talked about here where nation states are pretty rare. Um, and if they do exist, they kind of have to have already had some kind of means or assets or resources that empowered them to become that in the first place in the wasteland. Um, but if you want to write characters, if you want to write factions or whatever, just again, always try to start small um, and then work your way up from there. Again, my name is Montgomery Ho. I am the writer for Letters from 2035. And this has been a breakdown of the lore. I don't know how to end this shit, so just just do with it what you will. <laughs>